now I can hear you fine. But the, the second we start, to, you get into podcast mode and you start to say an actual sentence about anything, then you cut out. Let's keep trying. We'll see how it goes. Maybe it's Google Hangouts. Maybe we should re-Skype. Maybe we should Skype again. Uh, Skype was just as bad. Yeah, I know. Skype's always bad, but you have a big hard-on for Microsoft, so... <laughs> Microsoft didn't make Skype. They did. They own it. They own you. Um, Microsoft does not own Skype. Yes, they do. Macintosh they, owns Skype. They Microsoft bought Skype. Why do you think it's on the Macintosh Xbox One? Macintosh bought Skype. Mac and Apple. No, Macintosh. Mac and Apple. Like the original Macintosh, the company that preceded Apple. Did you know there's a Macintosh Apple? This is a really good podcast. So, listener, John and I are on the phone right now. We are literally recording this podcast over the telephone with each other because the internet is... what is the internet frozen? I bet it's frozen. It's probably frozen from the extreme cold in the Midwest, along with other parts of the country. The, the internet got sucked into the polar vortex, and so we can't actually use Google Hangouts or Skype to talk to one another. And so we're actually doing – this is so This is so janky. It's the, it's the most ghetto-rigged we could possibly make this, but actually I think it's perfect. I think it's probably going to be our best podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm, clearly, saying it, I'm, saying it, I'm saying it right now, right here. This – is our best podcast listener. Wow. Well, John said it, so who am I to argue? Yeah, so it's got to be true. I'm just the, you know, webmaster, executive producer, CEO of marketing. Is that a position? CEO of marketing? Not of our company. <laughs> we have a and company also, now? And, and actually, also not of any company. That's not a That's not a thing of any company. Hey, we were talking okay. before we started about how Twin Peaks is coming out. <laughs> I realize that. Uh, the listener can can find those Twin Peaks spoilers later. I know you're excited about it. I don't care because I haven't seen it, but I will watch it soon. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. So My oldest brother is obsessed with Twin Peaks. It's really good. I'm telling you, it's really good. I wouldn't lie to you. I would lie to you, but not about Twin Peaks, about many other things, but not Twin That's Peaks. That's true. Well, you would certainly never lie to me on episode 54 of Unqualified Gamers starring you and me. That's right. And uh, f- listener, for those of you who don't know, you is John and me. Well, you – well, you're – so I'm the person speaking who is Cody. Right. And, and I'm John. And we're your hosts but, of Unqualified Gamers. A uh, It's a video game podcast, as you can tell. Well, about video games by guys that kind of have no business talking about video games. And apparently no business uh, using the internet during the polar vortex, which we, yeah. should, we should probably... I mean, I know we actually have games to talk about, but we should probably talk about that. The Chicago River is, as of this recording, literally frozen. Did you know that? Has that ever happened before? Like in the history of, uh, the, sh- uh, in the, history of the United States of Chicago, has that ever happened before? I mean, I'm sure it happened once or twice. Um... But I killed all the frost dragons in uh, November 2009. So, like, they're not causing any more problems. So this was unanticipated is what you're saying. I just work here. I don't run Chicago all the time. So I don't know about you guys there in Chicago, but in Minnesota we had – we've had our schools closed for the past two days. And, I mean, we're talking – 
we're talking about Minnesota, right? So of the states, we are probably the best equipped. We're e- either we are the best or one of the better the best four, we'll say, states equipped to deal with the cold. And it was so cold that we had to cancel schools. So that just lets you know it's been kind of a crazy winter. Yeah, that's how it was here too. And uh I like I don't have kids, so whatever, but I, I was seeing on some of my older adult father friends on Facebook who have lived in Chicago their whole lives that they're like shocked the Chicago public schools closed because apparently that's a thing that doesn't really happen. Public ever. schools don't public schools don't close. I mean, they just don't close because they get money for having the kids there. So like they try not to close schools. Well, then that makes sense, but I feel like we had a bunch of snow days when we were kids. Mm, in Rockford. I think, I think you might be misremembering. That or you just uh, skipped a lot of school. I might have just skipped a lot of school. Yeah, or I'm Mr. Remembering. <laughs> uh. Good one. Um, so, yeah, as you can see, video games, listener. Uh, <laughs> but this was the first podcast. This is the first kind of traditional podcast we've done since our best of 2013's best games we played in 2013. Um which was just kind of a top five list for both of us, rehashing old stuff that happened during that year. Um but this will be a more traditional episode where we kind of talk about new stuff we've been playing. Stuff we actually played together for I don't know. Do we ever play things together? The last thing we played together was probably Borderlands 2, and that was oh that was last January. Yeah, so forever ago was the last time that we played a game together. So kind of cool that we finally got that in again, although I had to buy it for you. So um, basically I have to beg. To play video games with you, I have to beg you. I have to buy you things. I have to bribe you. Oh, you mean that video game you bought for me to make me play nonstop and wouldn't let me play anything else? That's exact. That is the game I'm talking about because I have to. Yeah, I remember that. the only way to do it. Yeah, thank you for that. Forcing yeah. and, I know. and uh, yeah, I know that. Well, let's let's just talk about it. We can talk about uh, our our holidays a little bit later, and also what the listeners been playing because we got a bunch of response from every weekend. I posed the question, "What were you playing this weekend?" And we ha- we have some uh, some really fun answers since it is the post holidays episode, and so a lot of people have new games, which is exciting. Uh, but yeah, we've been playing we've been playing Rain of Fire. That's not the name of the game. Reign of Destruction. Also not the name. Uh, um uh You got one of the you've got you've got two of the words right, not the right order. Threat of rain. Close. So you've got the of rain part right. And threatening thre- rain. And threat no, it's it's still of rain. Th- uh threat is a synonym kind of kind kind of a synonym for the first word. Reign of Fire. That's the first guess that you had that I said was wrong. So the game that we've been playing, listener, is called Risk of Rain. Risk of Rain. I knew you are a tricky one. You know that, John? That That's what they tell me. So uh, it's, it's a game that's published by I don't know. I can't remember. It's developed by I don't know. I can't remember. It is a... It was this like randomly small indie title that showed up on the Steam sale, right? So, listener, um, if you live in a cave, I don't think you do, but if you do, 
uh, Steam does holiday sales, fall sales, and like summer sales every year. Do they do a spring sale? I don't know. They do. They do a bunch of sales every year, like big sales. They last for like a week and a half. Um, Steam does all digital. Digital. Uh, it's a digital platform for video games. So if you're, um, if you're listening to this and you don't know what Steam is, then go download it. Yeah. So um, one of the games that showed up one day uh, was Risk of Rain, and like it was normally ten bucks, and it was you know it was like Steam does, it was discounted to like three. So I looked at it and I was like, I have no idea what the f*** this game is. So um, as I am as I am accustomed to doing, when something like that shows up on Steam, specifically on a sale where it looks like it's cheap, I do a little bit of research on it. Do you ever do that with games you know nothing about? Um, if I don't know anything about it, I typically ignore it because I already have a surplus of Steam games of like That's the 20. stupid way to do it. No, you keep yeah. collecting. No. You no. keep buying steam games it's the only way to do it i'm not gonna feed the machine like some of us okay so when i see a game i know nothing about but it looks cheap uh not doesn't look cheap it looks inexpensive compared to its normal price i do a little research on it because i'm like hey maybe i will like this game i don't know so i saw this game risk of rain and i'm like this name is dumb but let's uh let's explore what this is so when I was looking at it, it's like, okay, this is a pixel art, like Nintendo-style pixel pixel art. Um, 2D platformer. Okay, I'm intrigued because I like 2D platformers. We've talked about Rogue Legacy and how much we like that. Roguelike, which is like Rogue Legacy, right? Sounds... You were, ph- you were sold on Roguelike. Yeah, sounds phenomenal. I'm not always sold on Roguelike, but I feel like Roguelike is the new RPG element. The kind of cool thing is that it's co-op right so that was one of the things that i think would have made rogue legacy even better and i loved rogue legacy but if you found a way to play rogue if you found a way to let me play rogue legacy with another person i mean that sounds awesome right yeah i mean that was it was both of our number five game of the year and without any discussion ahead of time we didn't we didn't coordinate that whatsoever like we just out of our top five games both of us happened to choose that for our number five which is pretty impressive. So yeah, it's a hell of a game, and you slap on a well-done multiplayer element to uh, a game like that, and yeah, it's a surefire way to win. With the multiplayer element, you saw Roguelike, and you saw multiplayer, and you were like, I need to excuse myself and use the restroom. And after I was done pooping, because that's what I do when I get excited, I decided I was going to buy Risk of Rain. Now, the thing is, is I, I think, did I text you right away about it? About, like, hey, we need to play this game? I can't really remember how this went down. I, oh, you gifted me the game on Steam. Okay, you so, gifted me the game. So I did just straight up buy it for you. Yeah, you did, yeah. you bought It was on sale. You bought it before I even got home from work, and I came home, and I had, you texted me, like, when I was on my way home from work, and you said, I, I think you said I got you a game. It's it's a multiplayer roguelike. We're playing it. And I was like, oh, crap. And then I got home and you made me play it. Right. For several days. Uh, yeah. We, we, uh, we've by the way, the, we have played it a lot over the past few days. I know because you won't let me play anything else. And by the way, it, it, the project was by Ho-Poo. Ho-Poo? Did you know this is a Kickstarter game? Uh, no, I did. This is a Kickstarter game? It was a Kickstarter game. It had a seven thousand dollar goal and it raised thirty thousand dollars. Holy shit! 
Yeah, I know. Uh, it um, it was created by Hopu. It's H O P O O. I'm I'm guessing that's how you pronounce it. So yeah, Hopu in the website. The website, get this, was riskofrain.tumblr.com. That is amazing. So very high budget, very high budget. Apparently it was, uh, the the team was two dudes uh, at this Hopu or whatever. The, they're two members. Duncan was the programmer and artist, and Paul handled public relations and game design. Both attend, both, well, both attend University of Washington. Wow. Like current attend. So this is my two students. That is incredible. So Yeah, you're getting a job after college, guys. Congrats. Yeah, so I knew so I knew nothing about this game up and up until me just like looking at the description and a little bit of information about it. And I decided it would be really fun to try, so we got it. And um that makes a lot of sense to me now because one of the things, listener, is it's it's playable single player. So the way this game the way this game is set up is you start off by choosing a character, and like any roguelike, you start off from kind of the beginning of the game as the weakest you're going to be in the entire game, and by killing stuff, you acquire money, which they, you can then use to acquire items that are randomly generated throughout the game to make yourself more powerful. Um, now, with just like most roguelikes, there are 80 to 90 items that you can unlock um, and that you can find during your playthrough session. Um, they're not all unlocked from the get-go. Many of them will unlock in future play sessions by completing achievements throughout the course of the game. Um, so you won't have access to every item from the start, but as you play the game more, more and more, get further and further... Um, unlock new characters and do different achievements with new characters, you will then have access to more items that all kind of break the game in various ways and do cool stuff. Um, so the game is a, like I said, it's a 2D platformer. Um, every level is kind of like a big arena. Uh, at the very edges of the level are going to be um, impassable walls. Um, everything kind of feels like a big fishbowl, right? With different stuff inside of the fishbowl yeah you're either in a big like outdoor area with just some arbitrary walls or like there's a big there's a couple caves you go into um i i wouldn't i wouldn't have used the descriptor that you used with the uh not fishbowl the other thing you said the arena like i I don't know about arena i think it's just kind of a big battlefield outside inside whatever yeah you know a big battlefield and arena they they very different things right um they're hugely different things. Pretty similar. Um, so an arena has a walls. Yeah, and so do all of the battlefields that you fight in this game. Regardless, um, so you're irregardless. So you're in this. You're in kind of this big uh, fishbowl battlefield, um, and it's it's super vertical. And I think that's one of the things that I like about the game. So there are some levels where the like the majority of the level is up and down and you're climbing up and down a lot of stuff. Um, and it just gives this really, it's, it's a kind of a different sense of scale from some other platformers that kind of you're used to playing. Like you play a game like Mega Man, right? And you may be like one, two or three screens up and down at the most. But in this game, you're talking about, you know, 10 to 20 screens in some of the levels up and down. Um, and there's no, it doesn't scroll like a Mega Man game. Um, like if you're moving up and down where it will move the entire 
screen, it'll scroll continuously up and down. I can't think of an example of another game that does that. But you know what I mean. The game, you would know what I mean if you yeah. played the game. Um, right, the game reminds me a lot of ways of uh, Castlevania, the multiplayer Castlevania game for like Xbox Live. Yeah, did you ever play that? I did. I did. I think the arenas are a little larger though, aren't they? Oh, they're way big. Yeah, the the levels in uh, Risk of Risk of Rogue are way bigger. Uh, Risk of Rain is that it? I don't know. It's one of the. It's one. You're never gonna get it right. So we're just gonna go with whatever you say. I I don't know why. I like seriously. The first three days we played this, I could not remember the name of the game. But the levels are way bigger than Castlevania HD, and uh, and again, yeah, like you said, much more vertical. And also, the characters are really small. Everything is really small. Well, some of the enemies are huge. Some of the enemies are huge, but the pixels. I mean, your character is pretty small. Yeah, I think it gives you. I think it gives. It's meant, I think, to give you a good sense of scale as to really what what you're looking at. Um. I like it. Yeah, you can you can see what in other games would be maybe three or four screens in either direction from your character. You can see that far with yours because you're so small. Yeah, and by, so there and it is nice by being pixel art the way that it is. It kind of eliminates any I don't know weird animation they would need to do for the the character because your character you can't even see your character's face or anything. I mean, it's literally just a tiny little pixelated guy. Um, so it just it it ends up making it have this kind of really cool minimalistic art style um, that I actually really like. You know, I didn't know if I liked it when we first started playing it, but as we played it more, it really started to grow on me. And I don't know if you had a similar experience. Oh, I liked it off the bat, actually. I really like the visual. Um, it, it's, it, it does have a really nice aesthetic appeal, that whole minimalist. You know, there's not, there's not stuff everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's okay for the background to be 80% one blue shade, and then just a couple little details in the background. And that's not every level, but there are certainly parts where it's it's much more understated. And I, I think that's – it's kind of nice. It's yeah. Kinda, in fact, the last level seems pretty busy in comparison to the rest of the oh, game. Oh, it absolutely – Actually, it very absolutely busy. does. I totally agree with you. Um, so so, so yeah. that's, that's kind of the way the game is played. And like every – the real draw of the game, like the thing that I love the most is – you have your choice of when you first start the game you've got your choice of one character you can play a single character it's a commando it's like this long range character with a couple of different abilities everything uh, everything in the game each character that you can play as has four different abilities they're all mapped to the shoulder buttons of a control pad now i'm you can play this game with a keyboard we haven't tried it either you or i have tried it but i can't imagine it would be that fun um because of how frantic sometimes the game can get well, there's people that are that are there are keyboard jockeys out there who prefer key, their keyboard all the time. Who are a little I've, more proficient than you and I are. I've never been. This, this is what kept me away from PC gaming for so long. the The only reason I got Steam was because I got the Xbox 360 controller adapter. So I, but there are people out there, and that's okay, listener, if you're one of them. But that's just not how John or I roll. Right. So. Anyway, the, all four of your special abilities are mapped to the shoulder buttons, and one of the things that I love so much, that one of the decisions I love so much that they made was that there's no mana, there's no resource other than health that you have to pay attention to for your abilities. So every ability is simply cooldown based. So it's like, all right, you've got these four abilities, and like depending on your character, this one will have like a an eight second cooldown. This one will have a four. So that's all you have to worry about, and it's just kind of like 
move until you if you need to use that ability multiple times move and avoid enemies until you that ability comes off cooldown and you can use it again the only thing that limits you is is the time passing in between um and i think that's great uh there's again there's no worrying about having mana to deal with as long as it's off cooldown you can cast it so that's fun um I'm surprised you're you're that impressed by the cooldown. Aren't you used to that from World of Warcraft days? I am, but but it doesn't. That particular system doesn't get used in a ton of games. And actually, in World of, in World of Warcraft, there is there are also resources you have to manage. So it's kind of got both in World of Warcraft. Ah, I gotcha. Um, but th- the game is set up so that every game is this big arena, and your your sole objective to get through the game is to find the teleporter that's in the level and teleport to the next arena. So you go and you find the teleporter and you click it and then you have to survive for a certain amount of time, also kill a boss in that time, then kill all of the enemies in the level and then go to the teleporter and leave. However, in every single level, there's also randomly spawned chests everywhere that require a certain amount of money to open that will then give you randomly generated items that... I had already talked about that break the game as well as shrines that will sometimes randomly give you a chance to, to get an item. It's all about the items you can get in the levels. And that's pretty much it. So you, the, the goal is kind of get as many items as you can, as fast as you can and move through the, move through the game because the other fun decision that they have made, the other really interesting decision they've made is that the game ramps up in difficulty, not by how far you progress, but by how much time you have spent in that particular run. So it is in your best interest to finish levels quickly and efficiently. Because if you hang around too long, the difficulty spikes, and it spikes in every like five minutes, it's a big spike of difficulty. It's not like a gradual progression. So you'll get a pretty hard spike after about five minutes. And so it really you really need to get as many items as you can as fast as you can. That's why you need to progress through the levels and keep progressing through them. Yeah, it's one of those tricky things where you need power-ups to become more powerful so that you can handle the harder difficulties. But it takes time to get those power-ups, and time is what ramps up the difficulty. So you get to the end of a level, you activate the teleporter, you survive the 90 seconds, you kill the boss, you finish off all the enemies in the level. Great, now you can actually use that teleporter to go on, right? Well, you've got $1,000... So you can afford a bunch of items, but you know that the only treasure chests you've seen in the level are either really far away from you in the level, or you haven't seen any. So are you going to explore the parts of the level you haven't been to yet to see if there are treasure chests to give you cool items? Or will that take four minutes and you may get one item and then have to go to the next level and it's way harder, but you've only got one item? Or maybe you luck out, there's two treasure chests right there, you pop both of them on, you got two cool items, and then you go on. So it's a kind of fun balancing act, and I think it's a lot of fun with two players. I actually haven't played single player at all, like, at all yet, because John's been making me play it with him all the time. So I haven't had the chance to to play single player, but what's nice about multiplayer is, like, if John's got $1,000 and I'm out of money, I can just hang out by the teleporter. He can run and grab items, and then once he's out of money, I can activate the teleporter right away. He doesn't have, he doesn't have to make his way all the way back to the teleporter. So I think it works really, really well with two people. 
especially if, let's say, the teleporter's in the center of the level and then John runs left and I run right to grab stuff uh, or things like that. And also finding the teleporter in the first place can be a daunting task because the levels, as we've mentioned about a zillion times by now, the levels are really, really big. And so if you have to run across this whole level by yourself, it may take you a very long time to even find the teleporter, whereas you can divide and conquer with two people, which is pretty nice. So um, there's a lot of like different ways to play the game. You, you can play it where you're focusing on speed, or you can play it where you're focusing on power-ups and killing enemies and gaining levels. And once you reach the penultimate level, you have the option of either going on to the final level. It's, there's five stages, right? Uh, there's six total with the final level. So six total. So six levels. So you get to level five. You have the option to either go to the final level or go back to the first level to collect more items. And it's not the same maps. So, it's not the same maps every time. So um, there are there are six there are six levels you will ultimately go to in the shortest run of the game, and there are I think eight or nine maps that are pulled. So that that they pull from those six levels. So you won't yeah, you will yeah. you won't get the same levels every single run. A lot of runs you will. Well, yeah, because like, they're, only pulling, always the they're same. only pulling from eight or nine possible. So, yeah, you'll be seeing yeah, a lot of the same maps. Right. Level one is always the same. Level six is always the same. Uh, the ones in the middle, there's a couple variations. So maybe instead of going to this particular cave, you go to the fire cave. And the fire cave is is structured differently. That pops up one out of every four or five times we play, right. I would say. You know, it's, and and that's, that's nice variety. And there's a secret character there. But the secret character only pops up randomly. So this is why it reminds me of Castlevania HD, because Castlevania HD was a co-op Castlevania game done in a one giant screen where there's six Castlevania characters running around fighting bad guys. Um, that was not a roguelike. The levels were always the same level, but the boss would appear in different locations in many of those levels. So there was a roguelike element, and there were d- the treasure chests changed places, and all the resources would change. But uh, when you were when you were playing with your friends in that, some of, so like the boss chest would randomly drop an item, and there were certain items that would only get dropped by the boss chest, right? So like to get a certain item, you would have to fight Dracula. Well, you may have to fight Dracula 30 or 40 times to get him to drop that one particular item that you're really looking for. That's what this game is like, because you may run into that secret level like four or five times in a row, but that secret character may not pop up. So you have to keep playing it to get that secret character to pop up. And it's that way with a lot of rare items and things like that. So essentially to unlock these characters, you have to just play through the game a bunch of times, which is, I think, where John really likes this game and why he keeps forcing me to play it all the time constantly because he really wants to unlock all those characters would that would that uh would you agree with that assessment yeah that's accurate so here's here's the thing about roguelikes for me um i don't know if i'm a super huge fan of the roguelike the roguelike um structure where there is literally no progress saved so there's a game that i've been i've been fooling around with that I also got on the Steam sale called Spelunky. And Spelunky, as far as I can tell, one, is an incredibly difficult game, but two, 
is a roguelike where every single run starts from the exact same point always. Like, there, there is no progress that is saved. And I think part of my problem with that is that I don't have a, an unlimited amount of time like I used to. And so when I get done playing a game, I want to feel like there, had been, there has been some sort of progress made in some way to further my enjoyment of the game maybe the next time that I play. I think that's why Rogue Legacy was so, so good to me, was because ultimately you're going through the same maps and everything every time in Rogue Legacy, but you'd then buy permanent power-ups after you were done with every single run. Well, that's what I really like about Risk of Rain as well, is because you don't start with every item unlocked. You know, there are 80-some items, you may start with 40 unlocked. But as you play through the game and do some of these achievements, you then unlock items that you'll find in the game. And more importantly, as you play through the game and do certain things and find certain characters in the various levels, you unlock new characters. And the characters play, holy cow, dramatically differently from each other. Like, they they completely change the way that you approach the game. Which is awesome. Oh, yeah. Which is awesome. Because there's like nine different characters, I think, that you unlock. Maybe ten. Um, and they're all going to be so dramatically different that it infinitely rec- uh, increases the replay value. And every single character has two character-specific achievements to unlock two new items. So if you're trying to unlock everything in this game, and these achievements are not easy, mind you, that you have to do with these characters, um, if you want to unlock every single item in the game, it will take a, a, a huge amount of dedication and time and good play by you as a player to unlock this stuff. I mean, not yeah. to mention, I think I've played the, I've played the game for 17 or 18 hours already, and there's still two characters I haven't unlocked. And a multitude of achievements I haven't got. Yeah, the achieve... I really like the in-game achievements. They give you specific challenges for each character, and those unlock specific things. Which I think is, like, a really good way to do achievements. It's, it's like a rewarding challenges in GoldenEye 007. You know, like, beat the facility in a minute 20 seconds on Double O Agent. Which, by the way, I've never been able to do. Ever. I don't understand anybody that has I don't think anybody do has. I mean, let's be honest. It's never been done. Right? Ever. So, no, never. I'm, ever. I'm confident so, in saying that. It's never been done. I'm, yeah, definitely confident in saying that. So, you know, you do that specific challenge and you get a specific thing unlocked. Fantastic. And I think, I've always, you know, that's a, that's a good way to go. And... What I like about this this variety of characters is, like, when we played Awesome Knots. Actually, Awesome Knots is probably the last game we played together. Uh, and that was, I would say that was pretty briefly that we did that. But Awesome Knots was fun. And I played as, you know, I only had, like, four or five characters unlocked by the time I stopped playing it. But when I tried to play as a new character, I found it, I mean, it's jarring at first, obviously, because they're different. But I... It was harder for me to adapt to that play style. And for whatever reason, you know, this game, what's the first guy I unlocked? Who's the guy I used to play as? That Some kind of Sentinel? I think that's or, his name. Uh, do you know the Sentinel? I, big, we'll call him the Sentinel. He's the, we'll call him Big Tank Dude. Big Tank Dude, right? So I played as Big Tank Dude once, and I, I didn't... I didn't love it because, of course, there's that adjustment because suddenly you're moving a lot slower and you have a different play style. But after the second match, he became my main guy. And it was just, for some reason, I just, like, clicked with him really easily. And I'm like, okay, well, that was really easy to adapt to. And he's not, like, your 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 standard character. He has a specific play style, but I adapted really quickly. 
Well, then two characters later, I unlocked the Huntress, and I tried her like once, and I, I was like, I think this is probably John's style. But then two matches later, I played as her again, and suddenly now she's my main, and I did awesome with her. So like somehow. I think they've managed to make it really easy to adapt to these different play styles. And I, I don't know exactly how to speak to that because I don't find that in other games where you've got your kind of standard guy and you unlock other things. Like, I don't I don't take to new things easily sometimes. But I don't know. I like the character balance. Yeah, it probably speaks to um, to the fact that the, the progression is going to be the same no matter what. So, like, you kind of know that you need to kill a bunch of stuff and get a bunch of items and the items will always translate the same to each character. So like if you get the thing that randomly fires off missiles for one character, the next character that gets that item, no matter which character you're playing as will still always randomly fire off missiles. Like, so depending on like the kind of the kit that you build for your character, you may see like similar items for different characters. And so they end up playing similarly in that respect. Um, so it could have been that kind of thing where like, you just, you know, you got a really good kit and Hey, that's part of the roguelike genre is like, you're going to go through some runs where you get all of the best items that you've been looking for. And then you're going to go through another run where say you're playing the Huntress in this game who the Huntress has to move around a ton and you find multiple of the items that work when you stand still. Well, obviously that's not good for the Huntress. Because she's literally never right. she's literally never standing still. But that's the items that you draw. That's the items that are available to you in the level, and that's what you end up getting. Um, so that random element, I mean, that is part of roguelikes. But I think that that is why you can you can kind of easily figure out other characters as well because the the item stuff is all the same per character, even though yes. all of your abilities are different. Yeah. So I think it's it's overall a well balanced game. I agree that I I like the I like the sense of progression, but see like you will get to the fire level and you'll be like, go to this part of the fire level, this is where the secret character is. Only the host can see it, so go see where it is. So I want I go, that damn secret character. Right. So I go, I don't see it, and then I'm like, okay, and then we keep going. And then we reach the end of our 30, 40 minute game and we win or maybe we only last 20 minutes and we die and it says what have you unlocked and it says nothing for me a lot of the time so there's there's definitely that'll happen in rogue legacy but certainly not as often as i feel it happens in this game this game especially now that i've unlocked more of the kind of standard items i feel like this game unless i'm specifically trying to accomplish one of the challenges for the achievements Unless I'm specifically aiming to do that, I don't feel like I'm making as much progression, which I think is why the game is... I'm not, like, tired of playing it. Like, I would play another couple matches with you, but I'm not as... um, It's not as as rewarding to me. And maybe that's just because I haven't looked into where some of this stuff... Like, I don't know the scope. I I don't see the big picture. You kind of have an idea in your head of, like here's the characters that I have or don't have, and here's some items that I have or don't have. Like, I feel like you have a better a better picture of it, and I don't. I just feel like, okay, I played through it, we beat it, didn't unlock anything. Okay, I played through it, we beat it, didn't unlock anything. Okay, I played it, got halfway through, died, didn't unlock anything. Oh, okay, cool, I unlocked a, a golden gun. Well, that's cool. And then it kind of repeats. So for me, it's a little bit more of a, I'm a bit more of a standstill. 
Well, I mean, I haven't. Got, I I'm kind of at the point too where I'm not unlocking things uh, as frequently. Like I I too will go through many runs where I don't unlock anything, but it helps that the game is really fun to play. I mean, let's true. Yeah, listener, don't think that like we're saying here. The only reason we're playing is to unlock is to unlock new stuff. That's definitely a perk of it. But the game is really fun and multiplayer. It's 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 a really cooperative experience. Like some of these classes work super well together um, and seeing that synergy and seeing that synergy with different item builds and that synergy with just the different character abilities is part of the, the super fun of the game. Yeah. And I, and I, I'm only kind of getting not weary of it, but I'm, I'm kind of getting played out on it because a, I do have like eight or 10 other games, like some console, new console games that I, would like to give some attention to. And B, I've played through it with you 40 times? 30 we, or 40 times? We probably have played it that many times. I mean, at least. And these are, like we said, 20 to 40 minute playthroughs. I mean, I've got I've to have at least 12 or 14 hours in this game. Yeah, and I mean, really, you got your money's worth. Oh, yes. absolutely. Well, because it was free for me, but it was only six fifty on sale on Steam, right? Something like that. Yeah. Um, so it was good and it's, it's back up to $10. I mean, it's $10 generally on steam, but I think it's worth 10 bucks. I mean, it's, it's a good game. And these two, these two kids that made it are full-time college students. I am, with I am way jobs. impressed by that. Um, that's freaking awesome. And I love that it was a Kickstarter. I love that these Kickstarted games are like coming out, uh, and are, are so good. Like FTL, the first Kickstarted game that came out so good. This game that comes out, it's a Kickstarter, so good, right? It's just, that's awesome. Yeah, it's really exciting. I'm surprised you didn't pick up on that, because you're usually, you're usually really keen on all that Kickstarter stuff. Like I said, I knew absolutely nothing about this game, and Kickstarter blew up so fast that so many games went to that for crowdfunding. So, like, it, it, it got to the point where I couldn't keep track of everything. That's true. That's uh, true. Now, and by the way, uh, oh, they, they did pay for the music. Um, they, uh, had, the music is by Chris, Christodoulou, Christodoulou, Christopopoulos. Yes. Christopopoulos. So they, um, they contacted him and used part of the Kickstarter for him to compose the music and the music is really good. Oh, so good. So, so good. It, you know, it reminds me a lot of Metroid. It's vi- in the whole ambiance of the game is very Metroid. Uh, you know, Metroid, especially Super Metroid. Uh, you know, it's funny. I uh, I watched a, I watched a video, some some video review, retro review or or, or something or retro analysis of Super Metroid, and and the review talked about how how just the art style and the ambiance and the music and the whole setting of Super Metroid specifically makes you feel isolated. Yeah. It makes you feel like you are the only person on this planet. And then it actually my uh, my ex-girlfriend as of a couple years ago, from a couple years ago, she watched a, a clip of me of, of someone playing it or maybe I booted it up on my, my virtual console or something. But I played it for a couple minutes and she was like, that game was just really sad to watch because it just looks so lonely. And like made the exact remark that review is about from like two minutes of gameplay, which I thought was just speaks to the power of that game. Well, this game does a really similar thing i think between the the kind of like kind of between ambient and the kind of ambient music a little bit but not not quite it's also quite melodic at, at times um and at the same time that that minimalist art style and 
just the isolation and desolation you kind of see and in the details that are in the background, I think is very similar to Super Metroid. Yeah, and you could have said that in two sentences. You really get that sense of isolation if you played single player. Obviously, when you're running around with another person and you're blowing up a bunch of guys, um, you don't feel nearly as isolated, especially when you're like, you know, in voice chat with somebody else. But I played a lot of this game single player as well. Um, And I do do find it to be a pretty darn fun experience single player. Um, But yeah, you definitely get that sense of isolation. And that's really where I kind of drew the Metroid illusion. Like that's where I really felt the most like it was Metroid. Um, And especially with that music, like I have listened to the tracks. The tracks are still not getting old to me um, when I listen to them. I think they just really fit the style of the game. Um, so that's pretty cool too. Now, one, one thing that we definitely need to say is that if you want to play this game multiplayer, it is not <laughs> your standard fare for multiplayer setup. So I am an idiot when it comes to networking. Um, Cody is slightly less than an idiot. Is that fair to, to say? Uh-huh. You're not. I'm marginally better. I, I would say, at best, I'm marginally better. Yeah, so it's not, like we are not, by no means do we know anything about networking. So when we got into the game, we just expected it to be like a, okay, uh, okay, uh, create a lobby, okay, join the lobby, whatever, and then we'll play. Well, this is a game where if you want to play it multiplayer, you have to host the server yourself, which means that you have to be comfortable with, like, IP addresses, so uh, Cody specifically had to open up a port on his router so that I could directly connect to his computer while he was hosting it. Now, thankfully, he figured out how to do that, was able to do that. It's actually not that complicated, but if it's something that you have zero experience with, kind of like me, because I have zero experience with that, um, it was not something that it was not something that I would be able to do immediately. I mean, it would be something that I'd have to kind of have a lot of legwork to do. I don't think it's impossible for anybody. I think probably anybody could do it. Um, it's just kind of your level of comfort with that. Um, and it limits it to where you can pretty much play with your friends and that's about it. Or like people you find on a message board or something, but there's never a point where you can just say, join a random game. Like if I want to play multiplayer risk of rain, I need John or one of my other friends to be on steam, message them and be like, Hey, I'm about to host a game join because they have to put in my IP address and the port that I have opened in order to join that game. Right, so there's no specific matchmaking, which is a, you know, that would be nice. But knowing now what I know, that this was made by two people, that actually makes a lot of sense. That there's sure. no, you, yeah. you know what I mean? That they don't, they probably, there's probably no way they could make the the internet infrastructure that, that you need to have that kind of matchmaking in the game. So they implemented, you know, the fact that they implemented multiplayer at all is probably actually a really cool thing. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's essential to have, and there's not really a good way they could have done split screen. Well, they could have done split screen maybe, but only only two people. It, it would take away from the, I think, the full... Um, atmosphere of the game if they if they just had local well, multiplayer there, and there is sure. local multiplayer but neither of us have tried that to see how it works wait there is yeah oh well never mind i ignore the last 10 seconds of what i just said yeah, well there, i'm gonna try that then yeah there is local multiplayer but neither of us have are, have tried it i mean i don't have anybody to try it with and um frankly you're unpopular and smelly so yeah it's true yeah so i can't imagine you're gonna have anybody to play it with either yeah well no i don't really have any friends either john thanks for reminding me 
I do what but I But actually, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> you sure do. You sure do, John. Uh, but actually, um, we have had we have had the, I think probably potentially rare experience of having experienced multiplayer with two, three, and four players, which has presented, I think, far a, a wide range of a, quite a variety of different experiences within that, because we've played with. So after you and I got pretty good at the game, where we had beaten it several times, then we invited your old friend from World of Warcraft, who is also very good at the game, and we invited our other friend who is a total noob at the game. It was like his first night playing, right? Right. So when we played with the four of us, the noob kept dying, and that's sad, because that's less fun. And then, you know, the other guy, it would be the three of us pretty much just raging and winning a lot of stuff. But we also died a bit. Because when you get four people, the item dropping doesn't really scale up. It doesn't at all. So it doesn't at all. There, are, yeah. there, there are there are literally the same number of items available on one player as there is on four, and there's actually yeah. actually there's same there's the same amount of global money. So everything is shared when you kill stuff with the players that are alive. So um, there are levels in this game. You level up uh, throughout the course of one run. And then when you kill things, a bunch of money drops, and the money will be evenly distributed among the players that are alive in the game. Well, when there are the same number of items and the same amount of global money, everybody can afford pretty much all of the items on the level uh, over, like, over the group of people. Just to give you, just to give you some, some idea, listener, when Cody and I would finish a successful run together and we'd complete the game in our 40-minute run... Um, we may have 20 to 30 items each. Is that right? Oh yeah, at least. Sometimes more. Yeah. And at the end of a, at the end of when we were playing with four people at the end, um, every character, every one of us would have like six or seven. So your character isn't nearly as powerful at the end of the game as they are when you're on a smaller number of people. Makes sense, because there aren't a lot of items available. But it makes the game much more challenging. That's why we kept dying, because it just, there wasn't, the items are incredibly powerful. Incredibly powerful. Um, And they make your... They're essential. Yeah, they're, well, yeah, sure, they're essential. And so they, because they beef your character up so much, um, it just, like, having so many fewer by the end of the game makes you have to work together as a team a lot more. Um, and part of the problem, I think, when we were playing with more people is we just weren't sticking together as much as we probably needed to. Um, but overall, I actually liked the way it played as more people. Um, yeah, I think it still plays well. And I, I think we had that weak link. And I mean, you know, it was literally his first time playing, so I'm not trying to pick on him. But uh, when he left the game... And it was just you, me, and your WoW friend. I mean, we we tore through that game yeah, with three players. We kind of did wreck it uh, in the one in the one run that we had very easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it can go either way. I mean, the last time we beat it, I was playing as I had just unlocked the minor character, or whatever the character is when you he's the secret character from the fire level right. that hadn't popped up for three runs, and then I so I got him. Just wanted to try him out, so I tried him out with you two, and we ended up winning that run. I didn't even like the way he played particularly, <laughs> and we still dominated that run, and I uh, ended up beating the game with him, so there you go. Yeah, now that being said, there's also, um, I, 
I guess they've. I did read that they like patched something at one point. The game was was way harder. I thought is what it oh, is man. what I read, and so they patched it to make it easier. Now that being said, there is a harder difficulty that you and I haven't really played. I'm I'm beginning to think that the next time that we play it, we might want to try doing that harder difficulty and seeing how that goes for us. Yeah, I want to do that. So there is a harder difficulty, listener. Like if you get to the point where Cody and I are, we're we're just the we may be the best players in uh, in the world, or maybe just North America. Um, I think I think North America. We might be the best North American players in Risk of Rain. Um, when you've gotten to that point, like we are, um, you uh, you may want to bump it up to the next difficulty. You know, we haven't tried that yet, but I have uh, every faith that we'll just be able to beat it uh, every single time that we try it. Well, yeah, I mean because. I didn't want to go out on a limb, but we're probably the best players in the Western Hemisphere, which there aren't that many outside of North America in this hemisphere, but, you know, maybe there's some good ones. And I, I'm pretty sure that this would solidify our place. Exactly. Among the among that echelon. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I think that that's fair. So, so any, yeah, anyway, I, I, uh, if, if, you, if you can uh, deal with the, the slight headache that is setting this up multiplayer and you've got some other people that are willing to, to play games with you. I think it's a, it's totally worth getting this game. Um, and especially be it's such, it was such a super surprise for us because neither of us ex- knew, had any idea what to do with this game. In fact, the first time we played it was with each other. I just, I just read about it and texted you, Hey, we should play this game. And then I bought it, but I never played it before gifting it to you. Um, sure. so it was a totally, unexpected and awesome surprise for us i would say i think so yeah and i mean it it was hard at first we died a lot like a a lot a lot yes it took it took probably 10 to 15 before we were successful with one of our runs yeah but then the learning curve evens out and then once you've kind of got the handle of it the hang of it and you kind of got a handle on what to expect especially then it gets easier i would say for that 10 bucks you could get a solid if you have a friend to play with, whether it's multiplayer or local, you can get a good solid 15 to 20 hours out of this. Just multiplayer. And then probably another 6 to 8 on top of that single player. Maybe more. So you're looking at 20 to 30 hours, I, for me personally, of gameplay for about 10 bucks, which is not a bad return on investment. Uh, you know, maybe it's a little less, maybe it's a little more. Uh, that's, again, just my personal experience, but... I think that's a pretty good investment for a $10 game. Yeah, and the game is really fun. Like, I can't kind of reiterate that enough. Like, it's really fun to play. And because every run is so different, it just, it it feels differently every time that you play it, too. It is, it is, it is really fun. And I, I will say, listener, I mean, I, I give John a lot of crap uh, just because, again, I have so many games I want to play. So I'm just like, I'm having a hard time focusing on just the one. And we have played it a lot. Um, But, I mean, the whole time I've been playing it, like, there's no point where I've been playing it and I'm like, oh, good, another run. Like, every time we start, I'm like, all right, let's do another one. It's very fun. Uh, I will say I, I was, I did not experience the, quite the rogue, um, the rogueness that, like, Rogue Legacy offers. Right, so like Rogue Legacy, you go in and every room is different. You never know. Like you go into a room, you don't know what kind of room it'll be. You don't know if the exits are up, down, left, right, whatever. Like everything is very different. Risk of Rain is a roguelike in that the levels change, but there are only 
five to seven variations on each level. So like level one will be different every time you play it up to like maybe up to 10 times. And then you'll see it repeat. Now that said, of course, the items change locations, which adds that other element, but it's not as completely randomly generated as like Rogue Legacy or Cloudberry Kingdom or something like that that uses algorithms to to develop completely different levels. There are templates you're working within to a degree. So don't expect every playthrough to be like a zillion times different. And level six is always the same. Yeah, I mean the real the real variation comes with and also there's there are some like there's two different sets for each map, I think, as well. So um at least for the first map, there are two different like maps you can get that are the same tile set. Um but I thought there were like more than that. I thought there were like five or six. Are there only two? Well no, I'm talking like so you start off in a forest and there's technically there's actually two different forests forest maps that you can get even though they like kind of look the same oh i didn't realize that okay yeah um so but the real variation comes in the items and that's something that rogue legacy you don't really get in rogue legacy where your character is going to be different each time but you're going to kind of have a single magic spell and that's going to be what you have for that whole run Um, where in this game the items that are randomly generated that you find throughout the level are what's really going to determine the characteristic of your run like binding of isaac exactly like binding of isaac so i mean i would i would compare the progression even probably most closely to binding of isaac right i didn't even think of that game but yeah that's actually a very good comparison um because in binding of isaac you kind of complete achievements and unlock items that will appear in in the dungeons of binding of isaac so that's actually a great comparison Thank you. It's it's and how appropriate that in our first podcast of 2014 we compare it to Binding of Isaac, which was our first podcast ever back in 2012. I think that that's uh, that is astute and astounding. Thank you. I thought both of those things as well myself. So it was. So uh, I think we, it was Christmas. Not too it long was ago. At some point, did you yeah. get any good gaming related stuff for Christmas? I got Metal Gear Solid Revengeance. Which you've played, like, nonstop, right? Uh, actually, no. I went to play it, realized there was a 400 megabyte update I had to download. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't an update. Maybe it was a 400 megabyte install, and then I just, just had, had to... you just had to download the game? <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was it, basically. No, um, it was, uh, I... I had to update the game, because it came out, like, over a year before I got it, right? Uh... So I had an update to download, and there was some install. Anyway, all this happened while I believe I was playing Super Mario 3D World, which I did not get for Christmas, but I bought with Christmas money. And It's like getting it for Christmas. It's like getting it for Christmas. I also got Pokemon Y with my Christmas money, which is the same one you got, right? Sounds to me like we've got a lot to talk about in future episodes. We do, we do. So I, so I got well, I well no because I haven't been playing them yet. Uh, I've just gotten them right. So Pokemon Y, uh, Pokemon Y, Metal Gear Solid Revengeance, and uh, of course the game you got me, and Mario 3D World, and I think that's it for now. I think that's all my new stuff. I mean, I also got a couple of games 
for the Steam Winter Sale. I mean, that's a but pretty you, good haul. It's a good. Oh, it's a great. Are you kidding? I mean, I play Pokemon Wild on the train all the time now. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Revengeance I haven't even touched, and Mario 3D World is is quite nice so far. Uh, but you had a, a pretty huge year, I think, for games. Correct? I had a wonderful uh, year for games. So uh, my big my big gift was my Wii U with Super Mario 3D World, um, and I got the new Super Mario Brothers bundle with. So it had new Super Mario Brothers, new Super Luigi Mario Brothers, new U. Um, uh huh. And then uh, I also got New Super Mario 3D World, so that's definitely stuff we'll talk about in the future. Um, and I downloaded Earthbound, so we can hit on that a little bit, uh, which was a game from 1994, I want to say, for Super Nintendo. Wow. Um, yeah, a very old game. Um, that's got a v- super interesting history. Um, and uh, and then I got a bunch of games in the Steam Winter Sale, and I actually had. Another one of those, like, random, just like Risk of Rain, it's like a random diamond in the rough that I have just been enjoying the hell out of. Um, And I won't talk about it today. I'll talk about it, like, the next time. But it's called... Oh, it's another Kickstarter game, actually. It's called Vladis, V-L-A-D-I-S, colon, The Abyssal City. Um, I've heard of it. Yeah, and so without saying anything about it other than it... I have been enjoying the hell out of it, and it is basically 2D Metroid uh, meets the most complicated of beat 'em ups that there is. Like it's got awesome. It's got one of the deepest battle systems I have ever seen in like a 2D platformer, and it, it's it's Metroid. I mean, it it is a Metroidvania game. So I'll talk about that in the future as well. But Sweet. it was a great year. Great year at Christmas time. I haven't had like this good of a video game Christmas in a long time. Yeah, and you are liking I mean we won't get into the nitty-gritty obviously cuz we're out of time. Listener, I know you're only like I don't know, a half hour into this podcast, but John and I have now been recording for uh 6 hours. 3 and a half hours. Well, I've been recording for 6. John's been recording for 3 and a half hours. That those numbers don't add up. Well, I know. That's because you started recording late. Yeah, but so there's no, that. even even three and a half, those numbers don't add up to the time I actually got home. And, uh, maybe we time warp, whatever. Yeah, so um, ignoring you and pretending that I have control over time and space, you are in, you do enjoy the Nintendo Wii U. I hate Nintendo. I've I've I'm on the record saying that. No, yeah, I've, okay. I really like uh, I really like the Wii U. I like it uh, more. I like it more than I thought I would. Yeah, there are some things that I think are not good. Not necessarily not good, but um, not as good as intended. Like specifically the TV functionality, not impressed with it at all. <laughs> and I do have it set up. I set it up immediately because I was all excited to jump in there and work and work with it. But um, you know, let's not start with the negatives. It's really good. I really like it. There's a lot of really awesome stuff. And the where I thought maybe I wanted the mo like the most interaction between that second screen and the TV screen, I have been finding, I have been using the remote play more than anything else in terms of a feature on that Wii U game controller. Because Really? Yeah, and because I might be in a different situation than your average 22-year-old gamer. I'm not 22, but I'm just putting myself in that category. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, I may be different, um, but 
my main area of gaming is downstairs in my like man cave living room. But my wife spends a lot of her time upstairs on the couch and she's pregnant. So I kind of like to hang out with her and I just carry my game pad upstairs. And even though my Wii U is downstairs, it still reads it all the way upstairs when I'm in my living room upstairs. So if I want to, I can just zap downstairs, turn on the TV and play my games on the TV but if I want to go sit next to my wife, I just walk up the stairs and sit on the couch and I've got the gamepad with me and I'm still playing the game. Nice. So I have been like using that way more than I thought I would. And I think that is an excellent functionality of that thing. For me, it's working Good. I'm great. Glad it's, yeah. I'm glad it's paying off. And I, I remember you, you were, yeah, you weren't, you didn't anticipate using it that much because I, I, I was really jazzed about it when we talked to Wii U a couple months ago and you were like, yeah, you know, it's cool or whatever, but I'm glad you're into it. Yeah, well, I mean, I can see, like I said, I can see, like, for for you, you live in a, is it a two-bedroom apartment? Yeah, I live alone in an apartment, so there's no reason for me to ever use that. Right, other than, I guess, if you wanted to, you could go into into your bed and play it in bed, right? Which I, I think would be legitimate. I th- I have thought about playing it in bed. Um, since I got my 3DS XL, I've had literally zero reason to do that instead, because I'm, I'm Pokemoning. But yeah, I would... Uh, before that, certainly, yes. Yeah, and so, I mean, I think there is some, some functionality there, but for me, I'm talking about, you know, if if I'm downstairs and my wife is upstairs, sometimes it kind of feels like we're living in different houses. Um, yeah. So it is nice to just be able to zap upstairs, sit right, sit down right next to her and continue to play the game. I also love that you say zap. You zip? zap upstairs. All right, I would zip upstairs. I would... You zap? I would zap. Uh, zap is good. I like zap. That I understand that. Uh, well, it was a good Christmas for our listeners as well, so, uh, presumably based on what they've been talking about, they've been playing. Although, uh, first, so we have a correction from last week. Do you remember, well, from last, I guess, it, when's the last time we talked about what our what our fans were playing? Did we talk about that after the 2013, our top games? I, don't think, I think we did. I don't think we've ever done that. Well, the, we've never, we've literally never done that. No, I don't think we've ever, I don't think we've ever done that. Yeah, you don't you don't listen to this podcast even when you're talking. So we so Anna had said that she was playing Forgot Beyond Two Souls, and I got in a very intense internal debate about whether she was referring to the fact that the article I had linked to had forgotten Beyond Two Souls, or if she's been playing Beyond Two Souls. Or if there is a game called Forgot Beyond Two Souls. This is a struggle. This is a struggle for you. It was a struggle. It was a struggle. So the clarification was Beyond Two Souls. She was playing games in addition to Beyond Two Souls. So I I feel uh, vindicated now. None of those explanations were the one that it actually was, was it? So Jim commented and... uh, so again, when I asked what you've been playing this weekend, listener, I, I linked to a video game ar- article about games that are like really addictive but aren't necessarily that good. Jim commented that he's heard people say they enjoy Candy Crush Saga, even though he can't see that himself. You know, my older brother, the bodybuilder, and my mom play Candy Crush Saga. Do you know if they've dropped Did any you know money that? on it? No, oh no, no, God no, they've never dropped money on it. But You're my, sure you've, had, you've bro- had long talks about it and asked them, hey, have you dropped any money on it? No, I've had talks about them with it. I've, I've had talks with them about it. 
No, my mom refuses to spend money on it, and she every time she plays it, there's self-loathing. She's like, this is so stupid. I can't believe I'm playing this stupid game. It just... I've gotten so much crap over the years for playing video games from pretty much everyone in my immediate family because I'm, like, the gamer in my family, right? Two brothers, a sister, my parents. None of them play video games. Especially not my older brother, who is a legitimate bodybuilder, weighs, like, 290 pounds right now, goes to the gym for three hours a day, and he plays Candy Crush Saga. He did kind of always make fun of us playing video games when we were growing up. Oh, he still does. Can you... Have you have you ever played? Do you know anybody that plays Candy Crush Saga? Some of my coworkers do. Have you ever tried it, or do you have any desire to? I don't have any desire to, but I know that they have spent money on it. I mean, I don't know anybody that does spend money on it, but that just blows my mind. It's like the new. I feel like it's the new Farmville for mobile devices. Because my aunt used to play Farmville. I mean, a lot of people that aren't gamers got into Farmville too. But I don't know what it is about. I mean, Candy Crush is just the new Bejeweled, right? Um. I guess. Um, I think it. I think part of the thing about Candy Crush is that like, it's not a set map every time. Whereas you know, Bejeweled is like the Bejeweled map every time. But it's got like different power ups too, and Bejeweled has a couple of power ups. But for the most part, it's still just match three. But I think there's a lot of other stuff you can do in Candy Crush. I, oh. I'm, t- I'm talking. I'm talking out of my ass. I literally have no idea. What makes Candy Crush? So, you're, you're, so you're saying definitively, you're saying definitively and with authority that Candy Crush is a roguelike. That's what you're saying. I mean, that's yeah. I was alluding to that, but you can put those words in my mouth. Sure. Okay. So Candy Crush Saga is successful because it's a roguelike. I'm glad everyone's addicted to roguelikes. It's the year of the roguelike, everyone. Year of the roguelike. Moving briskly along, Nora says that she's playing Mortal Kombat. I want to see how many of my friends are real. I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Wait, <laughs> does a, that mean? Are, do you think her friends are Mortal Kombat characters? Like, do you, <laughs> like, like to me, I can read that as. I want to see if Sub-Zero is a real person or just exists in the game. And I know that's not how you meant it, but it's just, I just read it that way and it's funny. Um, maybe she's fighting friends and, like, if they don't let her win, then they're not real friends. Okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm very... Maybe she, determines, maybe she determines how real a person is if they're any good at fighting games. Yeah, maybe that's it. Like, they have to pass the Mortal Kombat test to become friends. So many questions. You know, we ask one question, and then you and I end up with more questions. Absolutely. It it, it creates five more. All right, well, here's here's a more straightforward one. Jamie, our super fan, probably playing lots of Xenoblade and is going to check out the new Bravely Default demo on 3DS. Yeah. Have you heard of Bravely? Bravely Default Flying Fairy. Uh, Can you guess what company has made that game? Nintendo? No. How ridiculous is that name? Bravely Default Flying Fairy. What company names their games ridiculous names? Rockstar Games. You you really don't know anything about video games, do you? So it's a, <laughs> I'm unqualified. It's a Square Enix game. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. and uh, it, I, it, I'm sorry I don't associate Square Enix, uh, you know, the creator of Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy, with ridiculous game names. So um, they, you know, they they made this game, and uh, it, yeah, 
Dis- Final Fantasy Dissidia Duodecim the Twelve, the Third, whatever the hell that game's name is. I mean, come on, they're ridiculous. Yes, they're ridiculous. Um, so they made this game. It came out in Japan, and like for the most part, they only planned on releasing it in Japan. Um, just recently announced for America, and that this is where that demo. This is where that demo came from. It's a 3DS game, and it's got a bunch of. Apparently, it's a really deep combat system, but it's got a bunch of um, street pass and uh, social functionality, like a ton of it. So, oh, well, I that's think good. I love street pass. Yeah, I think originally that's why they didn't plan on bringing it to America, was because a lot of it, I guess, a lot of the gameplay stuff is ingrained in that social functionality. Um, but I guess there was enough clamoring for it, so they decided to bring it over. So they did come out with a demo. That's on the eShop now, just like most demos, it's free. Um, so if that's something, if you like role-playing games, it's going to be your JRPG fair. Give it a download and try it out. I have, nice. not, okay. I have not done so yet, but I probably cool. will. I may check out the de- demo if you ever let me not play Risk of Heavy Rain and ever. And Xenoblade Chronicles gets me hard. So Yeah, yeah, he's excited about that. He was actually looking for our podcast about Xenoblade Chronicles, since you reviewed it, and um, you already mentioned this to Jamie, but I'll mention this uh, to the listener, um, just because we've been recording for three hours, and I can't remember if this actually made the cut or not. I'm still, there's, uh, unqualifiedgamers.com is still under construction, and so not all of our old podcasts are on there yet, but I am in the process of migrating. In the meantime, they all should be available at videogamepodcast.tumblr.com. Because all the original files are still online at their original spot. So they should be available. Now, Jamie said he couldn't find the Xenoblade podcast at our Tumblr page. So I don't know what to say. I know they're all there. Um, But last, like, worst case scenario, all of these, all the original episodes of Unqualified Gamers are hosted on CodyGoff.com. So if you actually just go to myname.com, uh, then you can definitely find all the podcasts. But they should be available on our Tumblr page. And again, they'll be available on our iTunes feed and through unqualifiedgamers.com in the next week or so. Uh, Jamie also said he's going to probably play some PS3, though he doesn't know what, because he got a PS3 for Christmas. Congratulations, Jamie. It's very exciting. There's a lot of really good games on PS3. There are. There are well, he got he got Xenoblade, Nino Kuni, and... Uh, what Dark Souls? I think so. I think he'll be he'll be busy for a while. Two of those games made my top five, so those <laughs> are know. pretty good choices, in my opinion. Yeah, he's doing all right, and he, he's 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 going to be getting The Last of Us very soon. So there's, and that was my number one of the year, which is weird because nobody's now, played that game. Yeah. So Christopher, our fan, said he's going to play Left 4 Dead two, and when I realize my computer can't handle it, I won't play any video games. <laughs> Which, Left 4 Dead 2 is for free on Steam on Christmas. Did you get it? Okay, well, fine. I already owned it on Xbox 360, but I downloaded it anyway. Now, he said he won't play any video games because the first robotics competition kickoff was today. Uh, He said this on January 4th. So, first robotics competition kickoff on January 4th, and I need to put in 80-plus hours. So, first of all, can I just say how awesome it is that we have a listener who does robotics competitions? That's impressive. Like, I think that's super cool. So, Christopher, uh, thank you for listening, and good luck on the robotics competition. I hope that I hope maybe our podcast can entertain you while you're putting in some of those 80-plus hours, and best of luck to you on that. 
That's super cool. I don't know virtually anything about robotics other than, do you remember Chris Jericho hosted a show on USA about robots? Isn't it the ones where the robots fought? I believe so. Battle bots? Battle robots? Battle bots or what? Battle... That was Chris Jericho, right? I have no idea. It was Chris Jericho or Why are Edge you Why are you like... asking me a question about wrestling? I, it, it seemed like the thing to do at the time. I don't know. Okay, and then one more listener commented, uh, Jarly, I think? J-A-R-R-L-E-E? That's Jarly, right? Sure. Sure. Jarly is playing Pokemon Crystal and going a second playthrough of Borderlands 2. It's a little a bit retro there. Retro with the Pokemon Crystal. I feel like every time a Pokemon game comes out, and we're still, I'll still say that Pokemon X and Y just came out because they're still very recent. Um, yeah, like it, it rekindles this fire for Pokemon fans to go like play a bunch of old Pokemon games again. And I don't know what it is about it, but I think it just it that is what it does. It like it makes people, it gives people that bug to go play a bunch of them again. Um, and the fact that they're coming out with the Pokemon Bank, uh, apparently Christmas broke all of Nintendo's infrastructure, and they were down for days. So they had to and actually... And PS3 and, uh, and Steam. Yeah, and so they had to actually delay the Pokemon Bank, which was supposed to come out in late November or late December, and it hasn't come out yet. Um, yeah. So, but anyway, that's... <laughs> Companies need to get with it. Like, if you're going to sell a bunch of your console, you need to plan for that. Yeah, that it's true. Well, but again, Steam crashed on Christmas with but, the Left 4 Dead deal. Steam actually, Steam, ne- actually, Steam actually crashed from a DDoS attack. Oh, well, never mind. Well, PlayStation Network also crashed. Was that DDoS or was that... No, all of the consoles crashed because they didn't have the infrastructure set up. Steam yeah. crashed from a DDoS oh. attack. Well, okay. Well, they all crashed, so there's that. But uh, but the Nintendo, you know, it's it's funny you should mention that that old nostalgia because our fan Justin, we shared this post of his on Google Plus, but he posted a picture on Google Plus of uh, he unearthed the container under his bed, which housed Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow, um, Emerald and Ruby, Diamond and Sapphire and Pearl, and Pokemon White. There were like 11 Pokemon games that he just laid out on his bed. I'm assuming I'm assuming that when these Pokemon fans, uh, and and I like Pokemon, but I, I, listener, like I said before when I was talking about Pokemon Y, I literally played Pokemon Red and Blue, and then the next Pokemon I played was X and Y, so I am by no means a Same Pokemon. Here. I by no means a Pokemon expert. But... I, I assume that when you guys go back and replay these games that you mainline them. Like you just like you're just going through them to I guess play like the story. Or when you replay these Pokemon games, do you go and like catch everything again, level up like a six a six Pokemon team to create like a balanced endgame team and spend a, a a very large amount of time with each of these Pokemon games? I'd be interested to know that. Again, I'm assuming that you just go through with a Charizard like we all do with our Pokemon games and destroy everyone with your level 100 Charizard uh, and then go back and create a team later if you want to. So you, you can, mean Charizard? Who doesn't? Dude, he's a fucking dragon. Blastoise, dude. He's, he's a turtle. Like, turtles are cool, but 
Charizard's a dragon. Yeah, Blastoise, and I usually name him Donatello. Right, because he's he's tur- tur- no, I get it, but Charizard's a dragon. Charizard is technically a dragon, but Blastoise is a big turtle. Tank. He's a tank, John. I don't he think is a turtle slash tank. I don't think we're going to come to an agreement on this because. All right, can we can we just agree that Venusaur is the worst one? I, okay, so we can agree on that certainly. And yes, I know he's not called Venusaur, but uh, actually, do, so do you ever rename your Pokemon? Do you ever nickname them? I don't. Should I? I don't. I don't until until I won't go into my Pokemon Y review, but I caught a Pidgey, right? And then I'm playing with him, and I'm like, well, I'll, I'll evolve into a Pidgeotto, right? Pidgeotto. Did you like my Italian there? That was. A Pidgeotto. Thank you. Uh, a Pidgeotto. And then, uh, you know, and then I'll have that entry in my Pokedex filled. But then I realized he's the highest level Pokemon in my party, somehow. I don't know how it happened. And I accident- I ran into some guy in, like, the second town that was like, hey, I'm going to rank your Pokemon's nicknames. Do you want me to rank one? And I'm like, sure. So rank Pidgeotto's. It's fine. He goes, well, that sure is a generic name. You want me to rename it? And I go, you know what? Yes. Because here's the thing. I'm not going to rename any of the new Pokemon from this region because I want to learn all the new names, you know? Because, like, I've got the names of the original 150 memorized, right? Like, I know what they are. Electro, Diglett, Nidor, and Mankey, Venusaur, Tata, Firo, Pidgey, Sea King, Jolteon, Dragonite, Ghastly, Ponyta, Vaporeon, Polyrath, Butterfree, etc., etc., right? So, um, I know all of them, so I can't rename the new ones or I won't ever know their names. Like, I can't tell you what Pokemon I chose to start with in this game. I can't even tell you. I chose the grass one. Which one did you choose? The fire one? I, I chose the grass one, too. Uh, okay, do you remember his, do you know his name? Yeah, Ch- Chessbar? That, that's wrong. Are you sure? No, I don't know. Maybe. So so again, I will not rename no, no, the new it's, ones. No, no, it's Chespin. Ch- Chespin, Chespin. But I evolved mine, so now he's a, like a Chess... Penis. I don't know his new name now. Chespinus. Chess, Chespinus, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know. So, but I got this Pidgeotto, and I'm like, I can rename this guy. I can rename this b- I know his name. So I renamed him Bird Apocalypse. <laughs> That's a pretty good name. It's actually it's actually a lie. It was Bird Apocalypse because the P wouldn't fit, but Bird Apocalypse. Actually, Bird Apocalypse is so, a better name. <laughs> thank you. So I've got Bird Apocalypse in my party now, but but I haven't renamed anyone else. Um, but what I was gonna say about picking up old games is, um, you know what I sometimes do if I have a like an itch to play an older game that I've beaten is I don't feel like replaying through the whole game, but I'll pick it up and get some of the extra stuff that I didn't get when I played through it. Like, when I played Castlevania Lords of Shadow 2 at E3, I wanted to go back and play Lords of Shadow, but I didn't want to go back and play through Lords of Shadow because it's very long and I once was enough for me. And also but not, were not ton... that great of a game. Yeah, I think we According to you, that. sure. I, I liked it, but sure. Um, but I there were a bunch of items I hadn't gotten, like, uh, magic power-ups and things like that. So I just went through like eight or nine levels and got those and, and then called it a day. So if I were one of our listeners who pulled out an old Pokemon game, I would maybe pick up red or blue, pick up my post-game save, identify five or six Pokemon I hadn't caught, go catch them, and then that would scratch my itch. But again, that's just me. Um, listener John wants to know your jam 
And rather than just comment on our post on Google Plus with this episode, you can actually leave a, a comment that will be permanently readable at unqualifiedgamers.com. I'd really like to get people to start commenting on our posts there because they're there forever as opposed to Google Plus where it kind of slides down our timeline and we lose it and we don't know where it went. You know what I mean? Yeah, so listener, that's a good way, I think, probably to close it out. So thanks for listening to us. Um, And uh, if you could, start checking out unqualifiedgamers.com, as Cody was just saying, and try to interact with us there a little bit. You know, it's going to be a lot easier for us to see this stuff there, too, because there's not a lot of other voices going on on our our timelines, like in Google+. That being said, Google+, is still great. We love it. Um, But you'll probably get, you'd be able to get a much more personal experience, I think, if you want to actually interact with us at unqualifiedgamers.com. Yeah. And the reason I register the website unqualifiedgamers.com is because we're not just going to host podcasts there. John and I will start posting written reviews of games, so you'll have those. I want to eventually start some kind of photo gallery, whether it's Video Game Meme Mondays where I'm posting video game memes or just posting screenshots of text message conversations I have with John because they're always hilarious i will have some photo galleries on there and things so um once i find a uh, a theme for the page that i don't hate and that will allow me to organize things the right way um you you can expect that to be built out quite a bit in the next month or so so yeah please keep checking back for updates and continue uh following us for the latest and greatest updates on google plus and we also have another great announcement we're very excited about that I'll be making on the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast uh, this Sunday, January uh, 20th, 9th, 13th, 12th, Sunday, January 12th, 10 a.m. Central, I'll be on the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast to search ATGN, and I uh, will be making another announcement. John sadly has to work that morning, but I'll be there on camera, dun dun dun, and they do actually do their and, podcast. Uh, they do actually do their podcast live. So, listener, if you want to tune into that again, it's the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Yeah, or daylight, whichever it is. But I'll probably post the announcement in other places too after I make it. So For sure, don't sweat it if you can't make it. Yeah, and I'm and, and we're caught up on YouTube too. All our episodes are on YouTube, so I'll try and keep that up because I know some of you like that, <clears throat> Jamie. <clears throat> and we've. Uh, because we've had Jamie asking about those older episodes, you are slowly, like like we had said, you're slowly migrating all that stuff over, right? Yeah. You seem to be you seem to be doing like one or two a night, which is a lot considering. Uh, I do them in spurts. Like I might do five or six tomorrow, and then not for like four days. <laughs> it's just kind of work has gotten pretty busy. Believe it or not, clients want things done after like you basically take a week and a half off for holidays. We do have that whole real life thing going on. We do, we do, but, you know, no one's perfect, except for me. (laughs) So what did you do this weekend, John? What did I do this weekend? I played a lot of video games. In fact, I played a lot of video games with you. I played a lot of video games. This was a very good gaming weekend. No, no, you didn't. You're a liar. You played one video game that you made me play the whole time. But I I bought it for you. You You didn't even have to pay for it. And you made me play it. I, you know but, what else people? You know what else people don't have to buy, John? Prison. And they still make you go there. It didn't even make any sense. I pay a lot of money for prison with my tax dollars. Well, yeah, but if you went there, you wouldn't pay taxes, would you? Do you pay taxes in jail? 
Well, I mean, you earn money. In jail? Yeah. And you get free room and board. Well, but, I mean, you're not really free, right? Freedom isn't free, John. Freedom isn't free. America. USA! 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 USA. <laughs> 